Psalm 133 says about God and God's community that, uh, that how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Right? It's a passage we looked at a few weeks ago and uh, just sets the stage for community, the idea of community, that that's what we are, it's God's community, right? How good and pleasant it is when God's people, that's us, live together in unity and work together and strive together and serve together and just be God, God's people to the world together. That's what we are, right? We're not called to come away and be a, a monastery. We're called to, to, to come together to, to impact the world. That's the purpose of the church, to impact the world, right? Yeah. To do what Jesus did, impact the world. That's our only purpose, really, for being. John 17, then, going to the community, in verse 21, Jesus said, May they also, like, be in us, us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Right? Those two passages kind of set the stage about community. On one side of the coin, it's about God dwelling in his people, us working together as one. And on the other side of the coin, you flip it over, and it's us reaching the world so that the world may believe that God sent his only son for them. I mean, that's what we're here for, right? That's what this is all about. That's what the community of God is about. Today, uh, living in community, I want to share this, is, is about living by faith or living in faith. Okay, that's what it means to be a community. It means to live in faith as people, us as individuals, right? We live by faith. That's how we live our lives, by faith, right? And as a church, right, we live by faith as a body. We're not here to, to create religion. We're not here to create tradition. We're here to reach the world and use every opportunity that, that presents itself in our world to bring Jesus. That's it. We're just like postured constantly, waiting for whatever happens around us so that we can bring Jesus into the darkness. That's what we're here for. It's our only purpose. So I, I want to start with a couple questions. Um, what, what good is your faith? Okay, think about that. Just, just ask yourself, what good is my faith? Like, what good is it? Ask yourself that. What good is your faith? I, I ask myself this. What good is my faith? If it just brings me to church to sit in a pew, my, that's, not, that's not it. What good is your faith? What does your faith move you to do? Okay, ask yourself that. What does my faith Move me to do. What good is my faith? And, and what impact will you have on the world around you? What impact do you have? And what impact will you leave on the world around you? Right? What impact? What is that going to be? My challenge for us this morning is this. Maximum impact. Right, maximum impact. Right, to get to get us to squeeze the most out of our lives for God. Right, that's what that's what we want. At the end of it all, when we come to the end of our days, I hope I can look back and say, "What an amazing ride! What a crazy adventure! My bones are weary and worn out, but I did it for the glory of God. All of it." And he was able to squeeze out of my little frame everything he can get. Right? I'm not holding back. I'm not going to save any of it for anything, any other period in time. And uh, so ask yourself as we kind of go through this, this, this message, what good is my faith? 
Like, what good is it to the world around us? You know, what good is it? Abraham and Isaac, in Genesis chapter 22, if you want to flip there, we're going to look at this kind of just in light, this idea in light of Abraham, because, because we know how, what a great impact Abraham had on the world. An amazing impact. I mean, the maximum impact through Abraham was amazing and powerful. And in, in uh, Genesis chapter 22, uh, is, is that, that story about God testing Abraham with his son Isaac. right? And we know what kind of led up to that. God called Abraham to, to be his his man, right, to, that he would make a promise to, that he would make a covenant with, that he would be the father of many nations and millions and millions of people, more than you could ever count, that God would protect him and walk with him and use him, and that God would, like through his offspring, make this all happen, this, this many nations far after Abraham dies. That God was going to lead his people one day to the promised land and they were going to be his people and they were going to worship him among all the peoples of the earth and that out of all the darkness, this one gleam of light people through Abraham would exist on the planet. That Jesus would one day like come through to bring hope to us, to all of us. And so in in Genesis 22, look what it says here in the first few verses. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. Remember, now this is is, uh, God testing Abraham with his only son, Abraham's only son, Isaac. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. And then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. What? How absurd is that? I mean, God, all, you know, up to this time, however long it had been, years and years of God, we know that he had his kid in around 90s, they're in their 90s. And so up to this point, God has been preserving him and promising him that through this son Isaac, he was going to make many nations. And now in, in this chapter here, in chapter 22, at this point in his life, God is calling him to take his son, that one son that the nations are going to be blessed through, and sacrifice him to God. I don't know about you, but that is a, a, an, an amazing request. You know, a powerful request, you know, not just for anyone's son, but particularly for this son, because God had already promised that he was going to bless the world through this son. And now he's asking him to do something that goes completely against that. And so the next morning, Abraham gets up and he saddles the donkey And he takes his son, and he takes the wood and the fire and the knife up into the mountains. And you get to verse 12, and what we find out is Abraham has has made the altar. The, The servants have stayed down at the bottom of the hill. Abraham has gone up on the hill, and he has made this altar, and he has placed his son on it. And he's about to kill him. And in verse 12, it says, Abraham, Abraham, God says, the angel of the Lord, in verse 11, called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. And I'm sure he's like, whoo, whoa, this nick of time. 
And, and he says, do not lay a hand on the boy. He said, do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. I couldn't do this. I would not be on the top of the mountain. I'd be in Canada, right, trying to escape God. Right? <laughs> yeah, I'd be looking for the nearest boat. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I would not be on the top of this mountain with a pile of wood and my son on top of it with a knife ready to go into him. But that's where Abraham is. And that's the faith of Abraham. And, and, and everything about this is, it has nothing to do with he, what he believes or what he thinks, right? Everything about this is about what he is doing. It's about his faith in action, that he has got his son on this altar because he trusts God, right? And God said, do this, and he's doing it. Even though he doesn't understand it, everything in him is saying, don't do it. But he is trusting God, and God is calling him to this very powerful act of faith to go against everything that he feels, everything that he thinks, everything that is logical to anybody. And there he is up there, ready to do what God has asked him to do. He is living by faith. Wow. That's a powerful faith, isn't it? I wish I just had a little bit of that faith. You know, Hurricane Florence hit the, the coast, right? And it hit it hard, and it, and it left people in need. It left a lot of people in need, right? If you've seen some of the pictures, uh, Wednesday night we'll probably share a little bit about some, we'll show some slides of, of what we experienced while we were down there. And, and maybe if there's some people here that are thinking, hey, I want to go, I want to go and help, and you want to, put some feet on your faith. Uh, we can talk about that Wednesday night too and make a plan to go. But um, that, that hurricane, uh, you know, this, this hurricane that hit the coast, this, this hurricane of massive force, right? Because we watched it coming, right? It was like, here it comes, here it comes, it's coming. And then it came, and it hid, and it, it left lots of devastation. And what we saw was sadness, you know, in people that have lost everything that they got. And, and now are struggling with, do I rebuild here, you know, just to get flooded again, maybe in 10 years from now? And it uprooted people, and it had this great impact on them. This hurricane had this massive impact on them. Well, the church, too, is a massive power. You know, we are a massive power. God's power, God's presence on the earth, in people. We are his community. And, and the impact of us ought to be greater than the impact of Florence on the world. It really ought to. Because God's power and might is so much greater than any hurricane. But only in us. Only if he has somebody to use. 
with us as he he brings us in right he brings each of us into his into his kingdom into his community into his presence and he blesses us as he wants and his spirit moves in all of us and he gives us all something to do he gives us all a work to do all to we can all be a part of what god is doing right not everybody can go to new Bern, north carolina and bust bricks and scrape carpet and carry out sheetrock we can no, everyone can't do that i get it But we can all do something. We can all do something powerful. You know what I mean? Like like beyond being here today. We can do something powerful. There is a Bulgarian proverb. I got to be with the ladies Bible study group. Boop, boop. Tuesday night. There they are right there, the ladies. Kind of a little troublemaker group there. That pew. And uh, we got to talk Tuesday before I headed to New Bern, and um, I share with them this proverb that I found. It, it goes like this, and I think it's so, so good, uh, it's so appropriate. It goes like this, drop by drop, the whole lake becomes. Drop by drop, the whole lake becomes. Just think, think about that, I'll let that sink in a minute. Because that's how, that's how things happen, right? They just, they unfold, lots of things unfold in life. They just simply unfold. They just start small and they gradually become big. Right? But they start, uh, you know, the uh, journey of uh, many miles starts with one step, right? You, you start walking and pretty soon you've walked a long distance, but you've got to start walking. You've got to get moving, right? So, so many things unfold, like a storm unfolds. You, they track it coming in. They see where it's going to hit. They begin to make preparation. They begin to tell people to get out. And then it hits, it hits land and it starts to slow devastation across the land. Just slowly, like torturously. Tyler, who we helped, his, him and his sister live in a house not far from the river, and their house is really low, so it came up in their house. But he said the neighbor across the street, their house is up pretty good, probably the, the, the floor was probably maybe equal to my head. So they were up off the water, or up off the ground, because they, they're prepared for floods like that. They, they built their house that way. But he, they said they stayed for, for a while. And they said, uh, Tyler said that he left his house and the water was not yet to the street. And when he came back 30 minutes later, it was three feet deep. And it just kept rising. Just one drop at a time, right? Just, just the river just being pushed in and it just, then it came up quickly, right? And so the storms sometimes come slowly and they devastate and they crush. And recovery is slowly too, very slow. It's a slow process. You know, these people are trying to get back to their homes right now, many of them, going headed back to find out what happened to their house. You know, and if you saw any of the photos or pictures, you've been to Hurricane uh, Relief before, you know the scene. I know the scene. I've been to several now. And the scene is like this. You drive down the street and you're surrounded by piles of people's stuff on both sides of the road that they're just bringing it out one piece at a time through this sloshy, wet grass, you know, as they're, they're in a, up to their ankles in mud, bringing this stuff and tossing it, all of their stuff, their TVs, their beds, their carpet, their clothing, their filing cabinets, anything below this level in most homes had to go. It got soaked. It had water on it for at least 12 hours. 
And so the, the recovery process is slow, and it, it, there's a lot of things involved in it. You know, uh, Dan, Dan and Gail are good friends of ours from, from our ministry in New Bern, and uh, we were in their neighborhood because we were working with Two Rivers, and we, I helped them one day, and uh, then we were at another house, and before we left that house, I thought, well, let's go by Dan and Gail's and see if there's anything we can do. Steve and uh, Andy were with me, and um, Aaron, was Aaron with us? Yeah, Aaron was with us. No, Aaron was not. Okay, was, um, and so we went to the to their house just to see what was going on. And by now, everything had been brought out. All the sheetrock on their walls had been torn down. They're, they had they were removing all of the carpet, getting down to the subfloor. And so all you see is like through their house, you could see through their rafters, right through their their um, their walls, their two by four walls. And um, he had uh, he was working on a sink, and they they. He, in order to have the water turned back on, he needed a fitting, one little fitting, you know, just to plug this sink in the kitchen so that he could turn his water back on and at least be able to have running water in the house for cleaning things and whatever. And so, um, so we stayed and we went to Lowe's and we got him a part and we put that little part on. But that's that little part he was so grateful for that, that we took the time to do that, you know. Just a little thing in the midst of recovery. It's just one little thing. And in light of all that went on, that little part was nothing. But at that moment, it meant a lot. And, and that's, how, that's, how our, that's, how, that's how it is, right? It's, it's one step at a time. It's one good deed at a time. It's one good act at a time. And God uses it to do great things. Right, and our faith is the same way, right? It, it, it's one block at a time as God is building you in your life. You know, wherever you are in your life, whatever your faith is, God is like working on you. Right? One little block at a time, one little drop at a time, he's building in you strength and faith and through trials and through struggles and through battles and he's purifying you and he's making you holy and he's making you more like him and it doesn't happen all at once it just gradually happens right he's making us like eternity minded and eternity ready as he works on you like abraham god god wants to call you to duty you know, God called Abraham to do something powerful, and Abraham said, yes, I want in on that. He, little did he know what he was in for, right? Little did he know he'd have to uproot his family and leave the land that he was used to. Little did he know that he would have his own son on an altar ready to kill. Little did he know what was ahead. And it's a good thing he didn't know. But when he, when he said, yes, God, I'll follow you, he was willing then to do whatever it is God called him to do. And, and in, the, in this question of what good is your faith, the truth is it will be revealed. It's going to be revealed. Your faith, my faith, it's, it's going to be shown. We're not going to trick God into anything. We might fake people out. We're not going to fake out God. Flip over, with you would, if you would, with me to James. Because the story continues with Abraham and James. And, and there's this little section in James chapter 2. Verse 14 is about faith and action. Right? It's about putting wheels on your faith, doing something about your faith. Your faith is only good if, you're, if it's active faith. If it's just mental, intellectual, it's no good. It's just belief 
And we're going to find out who believes here in this little section. What good is it, my brother? Uh, James 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brother, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food, and if one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical need, what good is that? What good is your faith? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by, by what are those words? By what I do. Look at that. I will show you my faith by what I do. That's faith. Action. By what I do. What I do. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe and shudder. Wow. That's faith in action, isn't it? God is saying to us through James, he's saying, look at Abraham. Well, we're going to get to Abraham in a second, but, but faith without actions is dead. If you claim you have faith, prove it. Show it to me. Let me see it. It's like people who talk junk about how good they are at something, right? You know, people do that all the time. Oh, yeah, I played it for all my life, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then you see them play, and it's like, you don't know what you're doing, right? I mean, that's how it is. It's like, you can talk all you want. Let me see it. Let me see how good you are. Don't blab it. Just go do it. We'll see it. Show me. Show me your faith, right? Verse 20, look what he says. You foolish man, do you want evidence? <laughs> there it is. Evidence, something to see, right? Evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Right? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac in faith and trust in God on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. Oh, wow. How good is your faith? What good is your faith? Right? What good is our faith? The scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was accredited, it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. Wow, that's pretty awesome. See, as a church, we reach the community like right that, just like that, like one soul at a time, right? One soul at a time. That's what our goal is. Just reach out to somebody, invite somebody, share Jesus with somebody, do a good deed for somebody, love on someone, do something for someone else. And together, the lake grows. The lake grows. It becomes a big lake. And God wants to use you Right? He wants to use every one of us in this room. There's more in you than you will ever know. There's more in you than you will ever dream or that you can ever think you can do. There's always more. God will push you and provide for you and equip you and, and bless you to do more than you ever think you can do. And drop by drop, the whole lake becomes 
So what do you say we go out and not just make a lake, but we make an ocean? What do you say we, we have a faith that matters? That we have a faith that moves that we have a faith that grows. I just want to be a drop, right? I just want to be one drop in the ocean of God, a powerful drop that contributes to God's ocean as much as I can. That's what I want to be. That's what I want to be. And that my faith would be good for something. Something for God, you know? Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to finish with this. If you'll back up a little bit, a couple of pages back to... Hebrews 11, because one more section here includes this whole thought about Abraham. God was able to squeeze so much out of Abraham. I mean, this is one guy. This is one guy. He did so much. God used him in such a big way. But, you know, at the point of God calling him, at the point of God saying, come on, Abraham, and Abraham taking that first step. Can you imagine that? I mean, he took one step. He just started moving toward God and the rest just unfolded. Day after day, walking in faith, just trusting God, leaning on on the Lord, you know, walking by the Spirit, just walking in truth, walking in the light. And God did such amazing things through Abraham. All right, such amazing thing. God just squeezed so much out of him. How awesome is that? Right, Hebrews 11 is a summary of his life and the impact that he had. Verse 8 in chapter 11, by faith, When called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Wow, that's faith. Okay, God, go go west. I'm going west. What town? I'll tell you later. What city? uh, I don't have any friends there, God. That's okay. I'll give you some. Right? That's faith. We we, we, we all want to know everything before we go do anything. I got to know where I'm, this is happening, how's that happening, it was, it was blah, 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 blah. And we talk ourselves out of going. We don't even go because we paralyze ourselves. Just not Abraham. He's like, what, God? Uproot my family, pack the bags and go? Okay, just point me in the right direction. Wow. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, who were, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. That's so cool, right? Verse 11, by faith, Abraham, even though he was past age, and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man... He was as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Wow. That's living by faith. That's trusting God that God said he's going to do something. He's going to do it. Verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered his son Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it was through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. Wow. As he's about to plunge that knife into his son's chest to to provide this sacrifice. He is reasoning in his mind that, well, if I kill him, God could bring him back to dead, I guess, or from the dead. 
Oh my That is a faith that is on a level that I'll never, never touch. But we can get close, right? We can move in that direction. That's the direction we want to move, right? That's where we want to be going, right? Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive back, or Isaac back from death. Well, the faith of, the faith of Abraham is amazing. But notice verse 20, if you've got your Bibles open. Look what it says there, by faith Isaac blessed Jacob. Verse 21, by faith Jacob. By faith, in verse 22, by faith Joseph. And there's something very powerful about your faith and how it influences other people and their faith. Right? When you walk in faith, you are a witness to the world and others will walk by faith because you do. That's called leadership. That's called being God's man or God's woman. That's called walking with God and letting other people see somebody on the planet willing to go where God sends them. And you just go and you just trust and you just put your faith in him. And that spreads to other people, to Jacob, to Isaac, to Joseph, to so many other people. You know, people remind us uh, or remember us for lots of different things, right? Like they might think of you when you see an old friend. They remember that you were, you know, their daughter's coach or, or they, you were, you know, you taught their kid in school, right? We're all remembered by people we know in different places by something, right? When I go, when I go back to Newburn, I was there for 10 years, so I, I'll run into people, and they remember me for different things. I did a lot of different things. I coached, I umpired, I preached, I uh, substitute taught. I was, I was into a lot of, I mentored and through a health agency, did a lot of different things. So when I see somebody, I try to tr- figure out, okay, wh- how do I know this person? Like, where did I touch life with them? And they're usually like, we met some, we were eating in a restaurant, and there was a guy sitting right next to us, and I'm looking at his face, I'm going, I know this guy, but there's no way I'm going to remember his name, there's just no way. So I think I finally said something to him, I said, you look familiar, and he said who he was, and he goes, I said, how do, how do we know each other, and he said, you uh, umpired at our league, our baseball league. So he remembered me as the umpire. That's all right, I guess, you know. Yo, you're the umpire. Oh, yeah. I wanted to say, do you like me? <laughs> but I didn't say that. So people remember us for different things. You know, we ask ourselves, what good is my faith? And how, how am I going to impact the world? What kind of impact am I going to leave here when I'm gone? When I check out, right? What I want to be remembered for is that I don't want people to say, hey, there's the umpire, there's the coach, there's the teacher. You know, we want people to say, wow, there's a man of God. All right? Or there's a, there's a woman of faith. That, that woman prays like no other. That's the person who came and helped us dig out. I don't want to be remembered for stupid stuff. You know, I want to be remembered for leaving an impact of faith in the world. I hope that's what you want. God, we pray that you would help us to 
put our faith into action. It's easy to talk about it. It's easy to say stuff and to know all the right answers and to know where the scripture is and who wrote which book. But if our faith doesn't have deeds and action that give evidence to our faith, it means nothing. It's dead. So this morning, I pray, God, that each of us would have maximum impact from this day forward, that you would use us, God, in ways that we have they haven't even begun to think on this planet before we leave that we'll go and do things and support things and be a part of things and encourage things that really matter. Father, show us what those things are. Each of us, every one of us. Help us to be men and women after your heart who love you more than anything on the planet that we see beyond the piles of stuff on the side of the road, and we see souls who need you, who need a greater hope than the devastations of this world will ever bring, or that Red Cross will bring, or that any other relief group will bring. God, that they need you. God, help us to go and that we'll have opportunities to share you in the midst of their pain. Father, use us, we pray. We love you, and we know you love us. We give you thanks for this time. In Jesus' name.